behind-the-scene knowledge, we recorded these two episodes a day apart. So we didn't have a ton of time to watch things in between, but we did watch some stuff because we have a problem and we watch a lot of TV. (laughs) My kids and I, because my older ones are 14 and 16, we binged all the rest of season two of Cobra Kai last night. So we watched that all night long, which is great because they're only 30 minute episodes. So it's not like we sat in front of the TV for a lot of time, but it was a lot of time. (laughs) But it was amazing. Oh my God, it's so good. Oh, I cannot wait for season three, which they just announced will be out in January. So excited. Wait a minute. There's already two seasons? Yeah. Because what the thing was, what they originally released this show on YouTube. So the whole first season was done in 2018 on YouTube, and then Netflix just picked it up, like, I don't know, a few months ago, six months ago, something like that. Okay, I did not know so, that. So, yeah, and then it got so many great reviews, and people loved it, that they quickly into season two. So now they're going into season three. And, okay, I just, I have, story time. Very quick story time. <laughs> <laughs> when I was eight and in the third grade, I had a very big crush on Ralph Macchio, who was the Karate Kid. And we had, like, a fun fair at school. And one of the things, like, that I think you could either win it or buy it. I'm not entirely sure. Were these little metal necklaces with a little, like, little sheet metal heart on it. And then you could, some guy was there and he was engraving it for, like, a couple bucks. (laughs) (laughs) And I had it engraved with my initials and RM for Ralph Maggio. (laughs) My sister... Like, freaked out and told my parents that I had a boyfriend and, like, went on and on and on. And, like, for 20, probably 30 years, she was asking me who RM was and who was this crush I had in the third grade. And I kept it a secret. And it's Ralph. It's Ralph Macchio. (laughs) But after watching Cobra Kai, Ralph Macchio and the Cry Kid can eat a dick because (gasps) it's all about Johnny Lawrence. It's all about Cobra Kai. They're amazing. I love him wow. so much. And he's so good. I mean, who would have thought, like, this kid that, like... That's what I'm saying. Everybody like, hated him. Yeah, well, he, like... But, I mean, even as an actor-wise, he kind of, like, peaked in the 80s, and he has not mm-hmm. done anything that I... Of mm-hmm. substance that I know of. Maybe he has. I don't know. But he hasn't done anything that I can think of since then. And he is such a good actor. Like, he rips your heart out in this show. It's And he cracks me up. So he's just amazing, and I love him, and everybody should watch the show. Okay, fine. I'll start it tonight. Oh, it's so good. I think you and your husband will love it. Well, love it. my stupid husband's working, so Damn I'll, it, tweed. I'll screen it and see if I think. Just watch that it. first episode. If you're okay. not hooked after that first episode, I am i don't even know who you are, so. <laughs> oh, God, that's a lot of pressure. I know, it's so way. good, though. Well, the only thing I watched in this 24 hours was the newest episode of The Boys, which, as always, was amazing. I watched it, too. Oh, my God. Because I, I watched too much TV. It's such a good show. Oh, my God. So you finish Cobra Kai and watch The Boys. That is quite Yeah, because we, we started at, like, because I got out of work early yesterday, but we started at, like, not long after they got us. Oh, well, well let's see. We would have started at like five o'clock and we were eating dinner because we had pizza last night and watched Cobra Kai and then I watched the boys before I went to bed. So God, what an awesome Friday night. I know. It was cold and rainy and gross here, so it was perfect. All right. Well, in case you didn't know what you are listening to, this is That So Original Podcast and we are going to jump into episode four, Angel of Mercy, part D. D. And, <laughs> D. 
Quick shout out to my high school French teacher, Ms. Jones. Hey, bonjour. Oh, I am my French teacher from college. Madame Bartram. That was mine. Anyway, episode four, Angel of Mercy, part two of Ratchet on Netflix. So we are back down in the wine cellar slash maximum security prison with Edmund. Someone walks in to deliver his food. He thinks it's Dolly, but it's Mildred. And she calls him a dunce and tells him she knows about the old rub and tug. And I laughed. I did too. And (laughs) he asks her... What's going to happen if she gets him out? Uh, it, it's like goes from the rub and tug into the, like this really deep discussion about what his life is going to be like if she actually succeeds. And she says, well, we'll be together and we'll be free. And he says, yeah, but I still won't know how to relate to people, i.e. women, because you won't let me have a relationship. He says, I know I fucked up, but... You know what happened to me in there because it happened to you too. And if you won't let me form a relationship with a real woman, then you're going to have to do. And he's grabbing her hands through the bar and he's just making the creepiest, ickiest face ever. And she's like, and she says, I will never do that with you again. I was like, say what? I was like, I have a whole line in my notes that says, and at this point, I'm like, please let them be stepbrother and sister. Anyway, he says, you've made your decision. And I'm like, what decision to like not jerk him off? I didn't, I didn't know what he was talking about. But anyway, he goes back to eating his dinner. And seriously, that I'm obsessed with bread, I guess, because I noticed that he had the thickest slice of bread on that plate that I have ever seen. Looks great. Oh, you were so wrong. Because in my notes, I said the way he's chewing is so obnoxious. I don't know if that bread is made from cardboard, but it's awful. No. Because it was just looked awful. Like he was having the worst time choking it down. (laughs) And also, if that guard is right there and close enough to see that Dolly jerked him off, does he not see these deep conversations he's having with Mildred? Yeah. I mean, he has to know that their relationship is way more. They talk to each other very intimately. And they're holding hands. She's putting her head against the bars. It's very weird. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, he told on Dolly, but not going to tell on Ratchet. Anyway, so she leaves. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, Millie. He's probably like, I'm scared of her. She crazy. <laughs> so we are at uh, Gwendolyn's Briggs house, and Gwendolyn's husband is packing her a pate sandwich for lunch. I said long German word that means pate. Yes. Also, <laughs> yeah, gross. And he's telling her that no matter what, she cannot leave it sit out because it's very expensive, fancy pate. But as he's turning around, he sees her and she's standing there with her suitcase because she out of here. She done. Bye-bye. And she's like, please tell me you have a day trip to San Diego. And um, no, Trevor, she's out. She she done. She's like, I have in here. I talked about last time. How is this interracial couple accepted at this time? Mm-hmm. She's like, this is a gift for me and for you. We don't have to keep living this lie. And maybe we can find real love. He, and he, like, steps in front of the door, and he's like, I will come after you. I'm begging you. Because he's afraid what this is going to do to his reputation, to his place as partner at this at this law firm. And she's like, yeah, if you don't move, I'm going to knock your block off. <laughs> and next we see is her strolling down the sidewalk, because obviously he got the fuck out of the way. Because he's like, yeah, I think she can break me in half like a twig. Yep. I bet she could. She looks kind of scrappy. <laughs> yeah. So then we quick flash to, we see Gwendolyn is checking into Mildred's motel. 
hotel, motel, whatever you want to call it. Holiday Inn. Yeah. And I've got, <laughs> this seems super forward since she shot you down, Gwenny. Mm. You seem very stalkerish. Mm-hmm. Like, a little this bit. Is, in my notes, this would not be okay behavior from a dude. I'm just saying. Like, for some guy, if you shot down a guy, like, and then he ended up staying at the same hotel where you just having me staying, that's weird. Yep. So, back it back, Miss Briggs. And then the lady at the desk, what's her name? Louise. Penny. Louise. And she's like, will you be alone, Mrs. Briggs? Briggs is like, is this the standard line of questioning for all your customers receive? And she's like, yes, it is. I don't have any hanky-panky in my hotel. And then just at that particular moment, Mildred walks in and she's like, what? Why are you in my hotel? Gwendolyn's like, oh, I didn't realize. Well, it is the only motel in town. Bullshit. Uh Uh-huh. Sure. Bullshit. Bull. And she's like, oh, by the way, I left my husband this morning. And what what did I just say her name is? Louise? Louise. Oh, my God. She's just screamed, separated. Oh, I have to start over with a new form. (laughs) If you're separated, that's totally something different. Oh, Lord. And I was like, just give her the key. Damn, lady. And she says, well, it's for an open-ended stay because, you know, she's separated and has nowhere to go. I roll. But then Mildred, who has shot her down, helps her move in and then sits with her on the bed, which is like, um... I mean, honestly, she's sending her mixed signals. So, so many mixed signals. you can't signals. really blame yeah. Briggs for going for it. I don't know, man. I mean, maybe you can. Up until this point. Up until this point, maybe. Okay, you're right. And then Mildred's like, well, he didn't hit you, did he? And she's like, no, he's a wonderful man, but I couldn't live a lie anymore. It's time to open myself up to something more, to experience a true, full love. And Mildred's like, I'm uncomfortable, <laughs> and I have to go to work, and scurries out the door. So yeah, She tells her the ice machine is down the hall, and uh, in my notes I said, <laughs> but she didn't tell her the rules about it. That <laughs> is very important. I noticed that, ah. too. Nobody else gave the damn speech about the ice machine. What the hell? Mildred <laughs> looks like she would abuse the privilege. I, I bet that's it. That's exactly it. Mm-hmm. She's got gay face and abuses ice machine privileges face. So anyway, Mildred and Dolly are now sitting at Lucia, staring at the young boy that got the lobotomy. Peter. Peter, yes. Dolly says, what, what's wrong with daydreaming? Mildred says, do you daydream? And, you know, they're talking about this kid because that's why he's there because his parents say he daydreams. I'm like, you mean he has ADHD, but okay. Right. So Dolly says... Well, what would I daydream about? Mildred's like, oh, I don't know. Masturbation. (laughs) (laughs) Dolly's like, um, what? And Mildred then asks her how often she climaxes. And I'm like, well, this is a really weird line of questioning. And and she says she knows what happened with Edmund, but she's not going to tell anyone. Also, I think Dolly has some serious mommy issues, but mm-hmm. she says she's always been attracted to dangerous men. She did it to initially to spite her mother, but then she found out that she actually kind of liked it. And Mildred says to her, you're a nymphomaniac. It's a mental disorder with no cure, but I can arrange for you to have relations with Edmund. I think it could really help him, maybe help you. Dolly is kind of afraid that he might kill her. But Mildred says, are you a priest? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mildred's like, well, you're not, you're, a, you're not a priest, so you're safe. But that's... You're fine. That's actually not what Dolly wants to hear. Dolly, <laughs> Dolly wants there to be some danger yeah. involved in this. And she says, okay, she's all in. How do we do this with so many people around, though? Mildred says, the only person you need to worry about is Bucket. 
and you get off right when she takes her lunch break. Be in the tub room at exactly 2.05 and I will handle the rest. And then just a really quick scene of Hanover sitting in his car, filling a syringe from a bottle of sodium thiopental, which I looked up and it is an anesthetic. Just, I don't know where that is going, but it's there. I think it's like, it's the same way, like getting high is like, okay, okay. So it's the same deal. So Mildred has gone through this whole thing with Dolly about the bucket goes and sits and eats her lunch in the same spot. And eats the exact same ham and cheese sandwich while reading a book from 2 to 2.30 every day. And I was like, unless she's stealing other people's lunches in the break room, then her day might be a little different. <laughs> so Dolly collects her things for the day as Bucket's going to lunch. And a nurse comes in and says, Mrs. Cartwright has lost her wedding ring in the tub room. And Bucket quips, suddenly she's concerned about the symbols of matrimony. Ugh. And I was like, oh, Bucket. Cut to, this is all very hectic because you know this is all like coming together at one point. Mm-hmm. We see Mildred is wheeling Edmund in a wheelchair into the tub room. How she got him out of the cell and like got him to do that, you know, well, remember nobody cares. Well, they said that he could take a shower as a normal person. I wonder if she told the guard I'm taking him to go shower. And that's her yeah. excuse for taking him in the tub room. I but I thought that was the whole point is that the guards were taking him in shackles in there and then uh, take the shackles off and take a shower. You're right. But I don't know. This place is crazy. <laughs> So just as she's doing that and she shuts the door, Dolly and Bucket round the corner at the exact same time and Bucket is going to unlock the door to the tub room. And the nurse that said that she had lost the ring says they found the ring and Bucket's like, ah, I'm going back to my line. <laughs> so Dolly's like, whew, all right, we, we saved it. She walks into the room and Mildred says, it's 2.07, you have five minutes. And Dolly's like, well, aren't you going to uncuff him? And Mildred's like, well, are you sure? And she's like, yep, take them off. Take those cuffs off because it's not as cool if he can't kill me. Yeah, that's right. And Eddie's like, you trust me with him off? And she's like, no, but it excites me. Ew. Uh And he says, you know, I could grab you by the throat and snap your neck like a twig, but I don't want to do that to you. I just want to kiss you. It's been a long time since I kissed a woman. I have to say that even Finwit Rock is so good at playing these creepy characters. Even his posture in this scene looks insane like he's got this yeah. weird hunch to him that he just looks deranged i just had to throw that in there as i had a friend who pointed out that he thought finn whitrock is very hot but he also told me he's obviously a very good actor because he makes you th- think that he's icky yeah. when <laughs> it's like he's still icky <laughs> i'm gonna let that one slide so <laughs> we're in the governor's office now briggs walks in and he tosses a paper at her it says uh Big headline, 67% of Californians are now in favor of the death penalty. His people, he says, want to see this man fry. Hanover needs to get this done. But Briggs says, actually, weird thing. He's kind of been hard to track down the past few days. And that pisses the governor off like nothing else. Mildred's like, I'm right on top of that rose. She's like, I'm going to find him. Oh my. <laughs> and, and she leaves. Okay, so we've got opera singer lady is standing listening to music in her room and Mildred has come to collect her for her treatment as she's going for the, the, the tub treatment, which is awful. And she's like, I know what's going to happen to me here. I spoke to Miss Cartwright, which wasn't easy because she refuses to look at me now, which Aww. it's just awful. Aww. And Mildred's like, sounds like the treatment was a success then. We can only hope the same for you. 
And Opera Lady says, I want you to boil me until there's nothing left but cooked meat. So tender it falls off the bone and you can eat it with a spoon. I was like, nice visual. I know. Mildred says, Dr. Hanover is trying to help you rid yourself of this disease. And I think her name's Ingrid, right? Isn't that her Mm -hmm. name? Okay. Ingrid says, all my life I've been fighting this thing inside me. I could feel the real Ingrid. Oh, right there. It's in my notes. (laughs) I could feel the real Ingrid inside of me clawing, begging to be let out. The way Miss Cartwright devoured me leaves no room. She feels the same. You don't know what it's like to be constantly running from who you really are. And Mildred tells her, dry your tears. There will be no death today. Oh. This scene was so good. I know. It was just the two of them was so good. I just got chills. You're give you're giving me chills these last few episodes. Oh, I do what I can. <laughs> okay, so we're back in the tub room and Bucket is talking to Huck and she's talking about Hanover is just so fabulous and she's telling Ingrid you'll be a better woman and then they go to turn the water on. There's this ominous thudding. The water won't turn on. And she looks over and the electrical cord has been cut and Bucket is freaking out. Who did this? And why would they do this? And you guys are going to get fired back. And Huck's like, it's been a cold week. Rats are trying to keep warm and could have chewed through that wire. Bucket's like, I think it was a rat. And I wish I could rid this hospital of vermin. Mildred comes right back with, if I were you, I'd choose my next words very carefully. Huck's like, I don't know how that cord ended up like that, but I'm glad it happened because this is barbaric. And Bucket's like, I wonder what Dr. Hanover will think when he hears his instructions were undermined by an orderly. So Mildred says, I will take Ingrid back to her room. And Bucket says, Huck, you'll be fired when Hanover hears of your insubordination. Ooh. Screw you, Bucket. Bye, Bucket. Uh, so at the hotel now, Wainwright, Charles, Charlie, as he is in my notes, rings the bell at the front desk. Louise is sitting there and she has leeches all over her for the arthritis. And I just, that is one of the things ever since Stand By Me, Mm -hmm. leeches, I've been traumatized by leeches. She says, I'm not about to pay 39 cents for some bullshit aspirin when leeches do the same thing and are free, (laughs) apparently. She just go fish them out of the nasty water behind the hotel. Uh, Anyway, he asks if there are any messages. She says, you had a message from a lady who didn't leave her name. And your pen pal in room 10, and she hands him a note. It says, come to my room. I have information you would like. She wants to know what they have going on and starts flipping out about out of wedlock. uh, Excuse me, about out of wedlock. That's the word. Starts flipping out about out of wedlock. Oh my God. Okay. About <laughs> shit. About people who aren't married fornicating in her hotel. And he just slams his hand down on a leech crawling on the counter, which was so unnecessary so and gross. gross. And he says, I need the phone. She brings it to him and leaves office because now she's like, well, he's freaking psycho. Everybody in the show is psycho. That's true. I tell you what. So we flash to Henry and Lenore's house and Henry, the one without any arms and legs, is playing chess with a servant butler who either doesn't know how to play or is not playing the way he wants him to. And he's pissed because he told him to move it this place and he didn't move it to the correct place. And Lenore tells him, stay ahead and plot your next move. It's important to always stay ahead of your opponent. And I was like, oh, foreshadowing. Mm So the maid comes in. She says, Mr. Wainwright's on the phone for you. And Lenore hands her cigarette to the monkey because that's fun. <laughs> Here, hold this. Huh? <laughs> and so she gets on the phone. And before she even, she doesn't even say hello. She's like, tell me, what did his eyes look like when you began to sever his larynx? And he's like, uh. 
little bit of a problem. He's been harder to nail down than I thought. And she's like, okay, okay, no problem. Beginning tomorrow, each day that I don't have his head, you're going to lose $50,000 from your feet. So I suggest you do your damn job. And scene. <laughs> yeah, and Briggs is in the front office kind of lurking around the side and she hears him on the phone and when he walks out she follows him outside and she watches him go into Ratchet's room. So Wayner walks into Mildred's little cabin room whatever they are because they have an outdoor door and an indoor yes, door. Yes and it's I didn't realize it until this episode that it was set up like that. Really? Mm-hmm. I, when she <laughs> when she brought her to the hotel that's where she unlocked the door. At I thought she took her around the front. Did. They each have their, like, individual exits, and then they can go, if they want to go into, like, where you get ice or go to reception, like, there's an in-store hallway. Okay, see, I didn't realize that, because... So he walks in, and Mildred's like, sit. And he's like, I, lady, I told you you were the worst lady of my life. And she's like, and I thought I told you to sit. Ooh! And she's like, I know what your cat and mouse game is here. Uh, You're after Hanover. And he's like... You don't know that. You don't know anything about that. And she's like, he's my boss, dumbass. You'd know if you were a better hitman. She didn't say that, but I did. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, I bet he didn't come home, did he? And she's like, I know lots of things, which is lucky for you. Despite your rude and inaccurate statement about my ability to pleasure, I still want to help you. She says, any man who would support the parole of a brute who murdered four priests in cold blood would never be worthy of my loyalty. So she's saying she's she's not loyal to a Hanover. And then she comes over and grabs Wainwright by the dick and says, Mr. Hanover must be stopped. Are you interested in my help? And I was like, also referring to a tug and rub again. He's like, well, maybe. And she goes right back into this fantasy about the morphine and the soldier. Like, this girl cannot quit with this scenario. And she's like, poor baby, first you lose your legs, and they say the morphine won't arrive until tomorrow. I know how much pain you're in. Is there anything I can do to make your transition to death more pleasurable? So he grabs her by the throat and says, is this what you want? And she says, I want you to take back that I'm the worst lay of your life. And he's like, well, prove me otherwise, Mildred. So Briggs walks up to the door, and she can hear all the grunting and thumping inside. And she looks somewhat... uh, heartbroken but also like what the fuck is going on type concerned of, yeah. i don't know her face was very odd yeah it was it was a lot of mixed emotions i think so back in the room mildred is telling wainwright to take a shower and she will make sure dr hanover is at the hospital within the hour so he leaves and we see that briggs has been waiting out in the hallway and i said so i guess there are two entrances to these rooms because i am stupid anyway <laughs> She knocks on Mildred's door and asks to come in, but Mildred says, no. And she's like, what do you want? And Briggs cages her in with her arms, like on either side of her head, and says very threateningly, Edmund needs to be deemed fit to stand trial. If he's not, the governor will defund the hospital. Mildred says, Message received. I will tell Dr. Hanover when she goes back inside her room and you can hear the door lock because now I think she's thinking maybe I have fucked around with the wrong lady. Yeah, I love that she wouldn't let her in because two women enter a room and people get ideas. I was like, really? They can't be friends. Right. I didn't. I mean, women used to like hang out. So I don't mm, I don't know. It's weird. So Wainwright and Mildred hop in a car and drive off. 
And we see Gwendolyn is drinking in her room, and all of a sudden the light in the room turns green, as it does when things about to hit the fan, mm-hmm. you know. So she grabs her keys, and she hops in her car, and she drives away, too. Back at the hospital, Mildred goes into the front desk and asks to check the lost and found for her compact. And while the front desk lady is looking, Wainwright sneaks up behind her and goes up into Hanover's office. And same moment, Huck comes downstairs, and he says, Mildred... Bucket fixed the tub. Ingrid is scheduled for 8.30 tomorrow morning. And she's like, okay, then we deal with this tonight. Get Mrs. Cartwright. And then there's a lot of, it's a lot of sliding doors. Like, there's a bunch of things mm-hmm. that are happening, and and the, the screen is like, okay, then this is happening, and this is happening. So there's a bunch of stuff going on in this next section. As the hitman guy is hiding in Hanover's office... Huck is hurrying through the halls. Hitman hears something in Hanover's office and pulls out his gun. And then we see Huck sneaking into Mrs. Cartwright's room and waking her up just as Gwendolyn is driving up to the hospital. So all these things are just, it's its going to be a clusterfuck, guys, if it all comes together at one point. So Wainwright walks into the bathroom and turns on the bathroom light in Hanover's office. Just then we see it splits screens and we see a man's hand grab a stone ashtray off the desk behind him. Mildred is kind of hiding in a stairwell, breathing hard, and just at that moment, it splits back over, and we see it's Hanover bringing a stone ashtray down hard on Wainwright's head. Huck has grabbed Miss Cartwright, and he has sneaked her into a waiting car. Just at that moment, Gwendolyn gets out, comes running to the car, and knocks on the window and says, what are you doing? Where are you going? Who's this woman? I was like, dude, Gwendolyn. Know your role. Mind your business. Don't you have enough shit to be worrying about? Like, that's not Mildred. Calm down. So Mildred has now walked into Hanover's office while she was having her little mini panic attack in the stairway. She heard a thud and must have somehow known that that meant Charles was on the floor because he is. She says, help me lift him. So Dr. Hanover and Mildred are pushing Charles down the hall in a wheelchair. They have wrapped his head in a bandage and they come across a security guard. He's like, "Uh, who's this? And Dr. Hanover says, oh, he's a borderline schizophrenic that just got dropped off. We're going to go do a quick treatment before bed. At the same time, Huck is hightailing it out of there with Lily. And I'm like, woo, she's free. Yeah. Yeah, it was bothered by the fact that it was Ingrid that was getting the thing the next morning, but they didn't take her out. They grabbed Cartwright, which I thought was weird, and I was trying to figure out what would happen there. So, cut to Charles is now in the treatment tub, and Ratchet is cranking up the temperature. Hanover asks her how high she's taking it. She says, oh, just a casual 150 degrees. So, she's gonna boil the fuck out of him. Mm-hmm. They walk out of the tub room, and Mildred says to Hanover, this won't solve anything. Lenore's gonna keep looking for you. Even though, you know, her hitman's dead, she'll just send another one. Then she tells him to go back to your office and clean up your mess. So, now Mildred goes into Ingrid's room, and she says, we're leaving, let's go. Just at the same time that Gwendolyn has appeared at Hanover's office. Like, she's just walking in this mental hospital like it's no big thing. Just walking all around. Then we flash back to um, Wainwright is in the tub and he is getting boiled, essentially. And he's freaking out because, you know, water's fucking hot. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, Daydreaming Peter is out wandering the halls and the guard stops and says, what are you doing? He's like, well, I, I just wanted a glass of milk. So he's got a glass of milk in his hand. Hanover has run into the pharmacy because he wants to shoot up just as Gwendolyn walks in. She's like walking in the office and she sees a puddle of blood on the floor. Hanover's, what are you doing here? She's like, well, I've been trying to reach you like for a week. I mean, you know, governor gave you money. You disappeared. But that's a problem. And then we flash to Ingrid and Mildred are outside as a car horn honks. They run. 
like run to hide because they think they're in, you know, somebody's coming after them. At that exact same moment, Wainwright has managed to kick his way out of the tub and kick his way through the locks. And he starts to pull himself out of the tub. And as he does, you can see his entire body is one giant blister. It is so freaking gross. Mm -hmm. Like his, I think they were, it's his socks have like boiled off his body and they're just in shreds. Like there's nothing left. It was like uh, melded with his skin almost. It's so gross. Yeah, it's so gross. But the truck that was honking at Mildred turns out to be Huck. And so she gets Ingrid in with Cartwright and she says, here's the petty cash from Bucket's office. And tells Huck, put them on a train going as far away as possible. And Ingrid says, why are you doing this? Mildred says, you said I didn't understand, but I do. Oh, I love that part. Yes. It's so good. Go be who you are. Yes, I love it. I love it. So Charles is fucked up and he is dragging himself along the floor of the tub. He's determined. He's determined for a boiled guy. I have to give it to him. I, I would just be like, I would rather die. Anyway, Mildred, as Huck and Lily and Ingrid take off, she notices that Briggs' car is outside, so she runs in. And Mildred almost opens the tub room door, but she doesn't for some reason. She keeps walking past it, and then we see as she's walking down the hall, Charles is, like, walking out, and he's walking like the zombies do in The Walking Dead. (laughs) And the kid now comes up behind him, and he sees him, drops his glass of milk, because this is, this is scary. He looks messed up. The security guard grabs a gun, and he's screaming Wainwright. And while this is going on, Briggs is still in Hanover's office. She's telling him it's very important for him to find Tolson fit to stand trial as she's wiping the blood off her fingers because she did what everybody in movies and TV does when she sees something that she thinks is blood. She put her fingers all in it and then (laughs) smeared around and be like, oh, it is blood. Like, how many times have you seen a puddle Mm. of blood and then wiped your hands and then smeared around so that you would know immediately that that was blood? Is that an experience that lots of people have had? They're like, oh, yeah, it's blood. I was just doing this last week and it was blood, so. No, I have had where I didn't have my glasses on first thing in the morning and I thought thought there was a fuzzy thing by the back door and it was a dead bat. So there's that. And I went to poke it and as soon as I got close enough, I realized what it was, so. That's worse than blood. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. So she's wiping her fingers with his handkerchief. She's basically indicating who is in charge here. I use your handkerchief to wipe off my fingers. At the same time, this back and forth, these scenes are so confusing. And I'm sorry if we're not making it easy to follow. But I'm just telling you watching it was not easy to follow. But meanwhile, the guard is in the hall and he's screaming at the kid to get out of the way. And he's also screaming for whatever this creature is to stop. And Mildred walks into Hanover's office just as we hear shots being fired. And everybody runs out into the hall. And Harold, the guard, is saying, I told him to stop. And I and we see that Peter has seen this whole thing. And I'm like, well, now this kid has PTSD too. So we need a tub treatment. He needs another lobotomy. Uh-huh. Just get that out, right out of his brain. Just get that out of there. Harold is like, we need to call somebody. I'm going to be in trouble. Mildred tells Harold to take Peter back to his room. And Hanover's like, no, you just take the rest of the night off because Harold is losing his mind about that he's going to be in so much trouble when right. the authorities find out. Like, nope. 
So Gwendolyn's like, what the fuck just happened? There's a blistered guy with two holes in his head laying on the ground. And she's like, what happened to him? And Hanover's, well, we took him for a warm bath before bed, but we left him. She's like, why would you leave him? That's negligent. You just admitted that you're negligent. And Mildred, oh, she's so she's so she's quick on so the ball. Smart. She's like, once we learned there was an intruder in the hospital, we had to take precautions. And Gwendolyn's like, there was an intruder? And she's like, yeah, dumbass, you. You walked right on into this hospital. When we left him, he was locked securely in the tub. He must have turned the temperature up on his own. And Gwendolyn's like, wait, he was locked in a tub? This is so much information. Like, what is happening? Welcome to Lucia. I know. Mildred's like, he's schizophrenic. It's a standard procedure. And Hanover's like, I'll call the authorities and notify his family. And Gwendolyn's like, well, I'm going to want to talk to the cops. You know, I'm very important. And Mildred's like, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> Gwendolyn's like, well, I freaking do, concerning the effect that it could have on the governor's re-election. Mildred, I love her, says, imagine how it would look if it got out the governor's press secretary played a part in the man's death, however accidental. Mm, not a good look. And Hanover's like, Miss Briggs, we are really looking out for your well-being. Oh, oh, oh. totally. Hmm. Mm-hmm. These two, they are like the shadiest shade <laughs> when they work together. Yep. So we cut to Mildred is mopping the floor where the body was as Hanover is loading the body into the incinerator. I don't know if it's a cremation thing, yeah, whatever. It's gross. So Mildred starts emptying his pockets because she's going to burn his clothing, but she finds the key to his hotel room. So she pockets that because that's going to come in later. So they burn up his clothes too. And then Hanover returns her to the hotel where we find Gwendolyn is waiting, smoking in her car. I just wanted to make a quick note about the last scene that the security guard shot him right in the face. Mm -hmm. And so... That happened so perfectly because he was unrecognizable. So Briggs had no idea who he was. And if he hadn't, I think she might have still recognized him. I mean, you know, he had been in the tub. His head wasn't. And so that just all perfectly worked out, too, that you couldn't even tell who he was. I didn't even think about that. Good point. Good point. So Mildred hops into the front seat. She's like, hey, girl. And hey, girl. She's like, wow, you sure you want to sit in here with me? Might give people the wrong impression. And Mildred says, I know you're upset about what you saw. Brick said, he didn't even look human. Mildred said, oh, that's because he wasn't. He was not the man God intended him to be when he arrived on our doorstep. She wants to know if Briggs is going to tell the governor, and she's like, oh, that's why you're here. Mildred says, no, I just wanted to check on you. I'm here if you want to talk about it, and maybe we could even go to that little restaurant by the ocean this weekend. It will be a celebration of life, a life that you can now have since you've left your husband. So I guess they agree that they're going to have dinner, and they go to their separate rooms? Question mark? Do they? Because this is where the inside and outside doors play in because they were outside and they go in for the night. Mildred quickly leaves through the inside door and goes into the hitman's room, Wainwright's room, and finds his files on Hanover and the money order that he had from Lenore for 50 grand. And she decides she's she's gonna do some stuff with that. Mm-hmm. So we cut to Lenore, who is in the tub when the phone rings, and maid comes in. It's like you have a phone call, and she's like, "Do I look like I'm available to take a phone call, Doris? I'm in the tub." And she's like, "Well, person says it's um, Mr. Wainwright, but it sounds like a woman." And Lenore's like, "Hang on, let me get my robe," and jumps out of the tub as fast as she can. And so she's sitting there with her little pretty robe, and she's like, "Is he dead, Charles?" 
And it's Mildred. And she says, there's something poetic about coming into this world, a living, breathing thing, and then leaving it a forgotten pile of trash. Like Charles Wainwright. And Laura's like, who is this? She's like, oh, Mildred Ratchet, And I have chosen to be, always be honest with you. And Lenore's like, well, I don't know who you are or why you've inserted yourself into my affairs or whether it's by accident, but allow me to warn you that you found yourself in the most unenviable of positions. Mildred's like, I believe it's that bubbly hitman who's in the most unenviable of positions as how he's dead. Ooh. So Lenore's like, hang a minute. I gotta get a cigarette. Puts the phone down. Light cigarette. She's like, this is just too much. She says, well, I am considering a vacation. And Mildred's like, why don't you come here? It's quite beautiful here. There's a sweet hotel overlooking the sea run by the sweetest old jazz baby. And it just happens you're in luck because a room just became available. <laughs> do, do, do. And Lenore's like, well, then Lucy it is and hangs up. And I was like, what is your game, Mildred? What is your game? I don't know. So the next day at Lucia, Mr. Cartwright is there and he is pissed that his wife is somehow missing. And Huck sits down beside Ratched. She asks if they're safe. And he says, I got them on the train. No problem. And I just felt so happy. But... Bucket is going to flip out when she gets here. Ratchet says, don't worry. I've got plans for Betsy Bucket. And as she walks away, Huck says, you're an angel. What you did for those women, Nurse Ratchet, you're an angel of mercy. There it is. There's the title. You know, I love it. I love it when they do that. She says, thank you. I've never heard that before. Mm. Mm-hmm. I loved that when Cartwright's husband is there and he's pissed off that his wife is gone. Huck's like, he, he doesn't seem happy. And Mildred's like, you wouldn't be either if your wife wanted to be in the arms of another woman so badly she risked her life escaping. Oh. And I was like, oh. Ouch, yeah. Hey. So there's that. Love is love, you guys. It is. Mm. Live your life, ladies. Yep. So we flash back to that army tent with that patient who lost his leg. We see, it's kind of flashing back and forth, is that Mildred is walking in present day down the hallway but back to the army tent, this guy is screaming, please give me the morphine. I can't take the pain. And she's like, there's no more drugs. Not until the supply chain arrives tomorrow. Is there anything I can do to make you more comfortable? So this is not the sexy scene she was making out to be no. for Wainwright. And he's like, yeah, you can kill me. And she's like, well, I can't do that. And he's puking up blood. And then he tells her, do you believe in angels? My mother always believed in angels. She said that we each have an angel that takes care of us. She said, but they only appear when death is near. He's like, I think I see one. I think I see angels. And Mildred starts crying and there's snot dripping off her nose, which is always so gross. And she goes and grabs a pillow and she smothers him to take the pain away. And you hear in the voiceover, Huck's voice saying, you're an angel of mercy. Finn. The end. Oh, wow. That was a lot. So much. A lot. It must be the thing right now. It seems like every show I'm watching is set in the 40s. So you know how like back in like 2000, the 80s, every show and every movie was about the 80s. And like now we're for some reason, this is the 40s. Everything's the 40s right now. Maybe that's because we are like getting ready to relive that era. Pretty much. (laughs) Of hell. Pretty much. When civil rights. Right. And like lgbtq rights rights, or we're just exactly didn't exist is this is where we're going (laughs) and on that note have a great day (laughs) life is good uh yeah so next time will be ratchet episode five and we are now halfway through because there are eight episodes of ratchet 
we have drilled it into your head where we are, but let's do it again. We are on Instagram at That So Original Podcast. We're on Facebook at That So Original Podcast. We're on Twitter at That So Pod. We can be reached by email at That So Original Podcast at gmail.com. And keep those emails a coming because that was super fun. It was. It was super exciting. Let's do that some more. Yes. And all the streaming platforms, as far as I know, I know there are some obscure ones out there and I, I think we're there. I don't know. But maybe. Maybe. Sure. I don't know. Go look for us and listen and then rate and review us on Apple iTunes and follow us on Spotify. Yeah. Okay. Just love us and please want to listen to us forever. Please. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will talk in your area next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Woo! Do you want to do this part? Okay, I will. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. Oh, I don't, it's done. Okay. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Oh, my Just God. Go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Briggs said he didn't even look humid. Humid. He didn't look humid, he Tiffany. Looked, he looked really He looked really high. like a dry heat, actually. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 